You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 105th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 459th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, December 20th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. So you might have seen the letter that a young IU fan wrote to Rob Finnessy that was circulating on social media earlier today. If you missed it, here's what it said. Dear Rob, hello. My name is Nicholas Aguilera and I am 10 years old. Saturday, I saw your buzzer beater against Butler, and it was amazing. On Sunday, I hit a buzzer beater in overtime to win my game. What is good is that I wear number 10 just like you. Maybe if Coach Miller gives you some free time, you can come down to Jasper, Indiana to watch me play. I'm sure my coach would let you sit on the bench with us. You and the entire IU team are playing excellent basketball. You are a great inspiration to young players like me. Go Hoosiers. Signed, your friend, Nicholas. P.S. I'm glad you didn't go to Purdue. Now, like many IU fans, I couldn't help but smile wide when I read Nicholas's letter. It took me back to the 91-92 season when I was 10 years old, going to Assembly Hall and watching guys like Calbert and Greg and Damon beat Jim Jackson's Ohio State Buckeyes or the Fab Five, and then heading straight out to my driveway afterwards and pretending to be them. I felt like anything was possible. I felt invincible. And that must be how Nicholas felt when it was his turn to take the last second shot, because he had just seen his hero, Rob Finnessy, succeed taking the last shot. The importance of Rob's shot for this season's IU team can't be denied. It delivered a quality win on a neutral court against an in-state rival that has had our number. But the true meaning of his shot and that moment will reverberate for years to come. Unexpected, high-profile, dramatic, meaningful moments like Rob's game winner are what create the emotional bonds with young fans that draw them to IU basketball for a lifetime. 27 years from now, Nicholas will probably still be thinking about and talking about Rob's shot and passing the memory and its meaning on to the next generation of IU fans. This is how proud programs like IU basketball maintain their strength and stature. The generations and the names may change, but every new moment like Rob's game winner last Saturday ensures that that beautiful, cyclical story always remains the same. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left, He is the Chris Beard of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, one of the world's most respected bracketologists, and he has some occasionally odd thoughts on what Indiana should do with its lineup. Well, Kevin Durant plays shooting guard. I should have Evan Fitzner play shooting guard. Mm. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the last week in IU basketball? Well, I really really love to think back to where and how that was taken out of context somewhere, but... uh, 
you know, it's uh, now you know how I feel about everything on this show. Uh, those are all legitimate, but that's neither here nor there. Now, you know, it's it was nice, you know, coming off the the Central Arkansas game to actually have a game that, while it certainly had a couple, uh, you know, rough patches in it, it was nice to actually have a game that you weren't, you know, chewing your fingernails off over the course of the uh, over the course of the of the game and and uh, eking out a close victory. So I think, like most fans, it was nice to be able to enjoy a a, a, a nice a nice clean uh, win. But you know, as we come toward the end of the non conference, it's it's been. Uh, you know, again, maybe the record is what people thought it would be, but I'm not sure they arrived at the record how people expected them to. But uh, overall, I think it's been a successful non-conference, you know, short of some of the injuries. But uh, on the other hand, it's allowed them to play through some of those injuries and uh, and really get some guys experience. So uh, if you want to look at the glass half full, then hopefully that pays dividends later in the season. But one note just wanted to share from last night because, you know, we've, we've talked so much about the defense and um, how, how that's really starting to become a calling card and how Archie Miller wants that to be. So I went back and, and kind of looked through the possessions. So the, the first segment between the, the start of each half and the first media timeout were not good defensively. I gave up 32 points in 20 possessions. So that's 1.6 points per possession. However, on the other 54 possessions, they only gave up 21 points for the game, uh, including a couple stretches of one that had 15 straight scoreless possessions, another one that had 13 straight. So 21 points in 54 trips is uh, 0.39 points per possession. So again, wow. we can certainly talk about the competition and some of those kinds of things. But, uh, you know, I think seeing the defense play that way is, uh, you, you know, should give everybody confidence heading into the, the Big Ten season. Even though Archie, one of the things he mentioned is like some things that they need to shore up defensively in the uh, in the post game. So I think that shows you where his head is. But uh, overall, I think a lot of things to be excited about uh, as the non conference winds down with the Jacksonville game on Saturday, and then uh, the gauntlet uh, that the Big Ten is sure to be will uh, start shortly thereafter. And to my right, he is a columnist for the Big Lead and a co-host for the Hangover, and he's someone who is always willing to share thoughtful commentary about a subject that he really knows in depth: parenting. Being a parent's super important. Held you in my womb for nine months. How long until that debt is paid? When you guys miss, it's fine because, oh, we have kids. This overly super involved dad. I've got to text my parents real quick about something. So He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant this week? Yeah, sorry. I just, you know, you guys are just so self-important when it comes to that. Uh I, I just think it was a good week for Indiana basketball. I mean, we had the Butler win, and then you, you, which was just fantastic, and I think fun for everybody involved uh, and everybody watching. It was just a really fun game. It was great to see Indiana really battle back and, and come back. And then, of course, Rob hits that shot. But even before that, it felt like a really nice performance from IU because while they started slowly, which has been a trait of this team we've talked about that needs to get fixed, they started slowly, but they were able to really bounce back and and finish extremely strong. And, and to that about last five minutes of that game, I went back and rewatched about the last five minutes, and they really locked down defensively when they had to, forced a lot of tough Butler shots. And that's not something you really do to Butler, and, and most teams don't do that to Butler very often. And so for five minutes to play really stellar defense there. And then, you know, even some of the shots that Butler was making were extremely difficult and they were just happened to be making. them. So, and then to, you know, of course get Rob shot. And then yesterday to come out and Wednesday to come out and, and bury central Arkansas uh, was really a nice thing to see because we had been begging for this team to sort of blow somebody out for a while. And and you finally saw it. You saw them really have a balanced game across the board. Juwan Morgan 
really didn't have to do much. He could kind of relax after carrying the team on his back against Butler and then sort of downshift gears and, and have kind of a game where he was on cruise control uh, and, and have other guys like Devontae Green and Justin Smith have nice games. Uh, was was really good to see, especially as this team tries to build momentum heading into conference season. All right, so this week we are going to talk about turnovers. It's been a problem, but it's improving of late. What is the key to that trend continuing? We'll take an in-depth look at Indiana's Big Ten schedule, then we'll play Santa Claus for Archie and the team. And as we always do, we will answer your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about sleep for a minute, because... You know, it's not good when you struggle to sleep comfortably in your own bed. I could not sleep. Because what is likely to happen is that you wake up groggy, you sleepwalk through your morning bowl of cereal, and then you pass out on the couch, only to wake up hours later sweaty with a crick in your neck and needing to text a hasty apology to your podcast co-host who is counting on you to be there for the mailbag segment of Banner Monday. So, yeah, that was kind of awful. It was. You let down your teammates, and worst of all, you let down your fan. I was kind of looking forward to Ryan being on tonight. So here's what you need to do. Fix the problem at its source, which might mean it's time for a new mattress. And that means it's time to check out our friends and fellow IU fans at ComfortOption.com. Now, you've heard me explain how Comfort Options' revolutionary mattress store to your door service works. It's amazing. So if you live in Indy or Bloomington, you really need to check it out and schedule a free in-home visit. But Comfort Option can help you improve your sleep no matter where in the U.S. you live. And they do this with their Alpha mattress, which they ship direct, cutting out the middleman and saving you money. And there are different versions of the Alpha depending on your sleep style. So if you're a side sleeper, choose the soft Alpha. If you're a back sleeper, choose the firm Alpha. And if you shift around when you sleep, choose the medium Alpha. And get this, they recently extended their 3090 satisfaction guarantee to the Alpha mattress. It used to just be for the in-home service, but now on any Alpha mattress you order, they give you 30 days to try it. And if you don't like it, they'll take the next 90 days to reconstruct it to your satisfaction. Still don't like it? They'll take it back and refund your money. Boom. Over. Done. So stop messing around with your sleep. Don't let this be you. Do I look like I just woke up? Because I did. Go to comfortoption.com and either order your alpha mattress or schedule your in-home mattress store service today. And when you do it, use the promo code assembly to get $50 off your purchase. You'll also be uh, supporting the assembly call when you do that. Again, comfortoption.com, promo code assembly for $50 off. Thank you. Okay, gentlemen. Let's talk about turnovers because we actually we got several questions about this. Um, Gary submitted a question about last night. You know, we attempt a lot of one handed passes. What is Coach Miller's perspective on this? He actually addressed this uh, in his postgame comments last night. And we got a question a couple weeks ago from Eric. And he was talking about the turnovers, too. Now, this was back when turnovers were a little bit more of a problem. They've been recently because, as I mentioned earlier, the trend has been a little bit better. But Eric's question, Andy, was, you know, that whenever Archie talks about it, he refers to them as kind of something that needs to be cleaned up. And to Eric, that sounds like something used when it just needs to be tweaked or adjusted. But this has kind of been an ongoing issue. So the turnover issue, do you think that it's been a coaching problem? Do you attribute it to something else? And what are maybe some things that other teams might do or emphasize that don't turn the ball over that maybe is something that we need to as well? I mean, I think the the cleaned up terminology suggests that he believes that it it's something that can be fixed. Uh, I guess I, I would think of it that way. And, and it, it certainly seems like it should be um, because it's funny that, that you look at a game like the central Arkansas game, when within the first seven minutes of the game, six or seven minutes, it's already, you know, you've turned the ball over five times. Then you go for pretty much like 20 minutes of, of game time 
without turning one over, which certainly suggests again against a team that's not really um, you know pressing, but they weren't pressing at the beginning when when you know IU was you know turned the ball all over, all over the place. So I. You know, it definitely so so seeing things like that make it feel like yeah, it can be cleaned up. It is something that is fixable because you can see the team go through long stretches like that where it's not just a coincidence that you didn't turn the ball over for you know twenty ish um, minutes of the game. I, I think you know Archie talked about it a little bit in the the post game comments last night, just in terms of the focus at the beginning of halves uh, and things like that. And I, I I feel like without going back and looking, I do feel like there have been a number of flurries like what you saw against Central Arkansas, where to really start the game. Things really get out of hand. I think that happened in the Duke game. Uh, there was a lot of turnovers early. Um, certainly that Penn State game when, you know, weren't scoring, you know, a lot of turnovers early in that game. So, you know, he talks about some of the focus and things like that. And I thought, you know, the Al Durham, you know, getting taken out of the game basically within a minute last night is, you know, kind of shows that he's about trying to figure out how to, um, you know, how to fix those things and go from there. So, I, you know, I, I don't know that there's any one thing they're doing other than really trying to, to focus on it. I, I don't know if you guys are seeing something different, but it, you know, I don't know how you quantify, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking right now, I'm not going to give the ball to the other team. I'm not going to throw it away. I, I think it's just focus more than anything. I think that's really what he talked about. Um, you know, and, and I think when they've shown the ability to hone in on that, they've had times down the stretches of games that's, that's allowed them to win some of these close games by really taking good care of the basketball down the stretch. And Ryan, you know, one of the things we've talked about is because you know, the turnovers did get better last year after it being such a recurring issue, and this year, the way the season started with so many guys being injured, not getting a lot of practice time, I feel like we're seeing kind of some of those awkward turnovers where there's like there's bad spacing, guys don't quite know where each other's going to go. And those are the kind of turnovers that I would think a month from now, if you know if guys stay healthy and they get more time together, you won't see as many of those. And that right there is going to clean up a big part of the problem. Uh, I, I'd like to thank the guys for submitting questions. Uh, I'm going to focus on Eric's question here because he, he he focuses on Archie thinks it needs to be cleaned up and therefore he doesn't think it's a big problem. Guys, don't look too much into his words. Cleaned up, fixed, you know, we need to make it better. Like it doesn't make, he means it needs to be better. I mean, we're, we're just, we're parsing words here. And I think that's kind of silly, especially in a post-game press conferences we've talked about numerous times. Guys, they're they're flying by the seat of their pants in those press conferences. They have ideas, you know. They know what they want to say, but they're not carefully choosing their words to, you know, specifically em evoke a certain meaning. It's he he thinks the turnovers need to get better, and he's right. And but he's not going to come out and say yes, we need to radically change everything we're doing because we're turning the ball over. No, he's going to say yeah, we need to fix that, and, and that's what they're going to try and do. I do think there's something to the fact that some of your guys who are going to handle the ball in the perimeter where most turnovers occur have been hurt. Zach McRoberts was out. He's a guy who rarely turns the ball over, and he was out for a while. Now he's back. He's been slowly working his way back into the lineup. You've got uh, Devontae Green was out. He really took him a while to get into the flow of the season. It seems like the last two games, he's really started to get back into the flow of the season. Uh, and you had a guy like Al Durham. He's been handling the ball way more than I think any of us thought he would. Uh, Justin Smith has been handling the ball on the perimeter more uh, and driving with it and stuff instead of maybe getting it on the baseline or closer to the basket. That's sort of changed over the last few games, and we've seen that be really effective. Uh, so I think that, that the injuries certainly had something to do with it. Also, just there's a lot of new players on this team and a lot of new players in new situations. Rob Finnessy wasn't supposed to be the starting point guard. He's the starting point guard now. It's taken him some time to adjust to that role. I think he's started every game so far, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that's... You know, again, you've got a true freshman handling the ball. You've got Romeo, who's a true freshman. I don't care how good he is. He's a true freshman. He's handling the ball a lot. 
that's going to lead to turnovers. And I, I think also it's just taken the team a while to sort of get on the same page and get in rhythm. The good news is, is that while they've been struggling with turnovers, they're 10 and two and they found ways to win games. And a lot of times if you're watching these games, the turnovers are coming in bunches and then there'll be long stretches of play, as Andy pointed out, where you don't have turnovers. So it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. You don't want to have those stretches where you're getting a lot of turnovers, but at the same time, you got to look at the numbers at the end of the game and then sort of look about how they came about, where they came about. And that's how you fix it is okay. For this four minute stretch, we were terrible. What went wrong there and diagnose that and break it down because if it's not happening in other stretches of the game, as opposed to during the Tom Crean era where they would happen all game, if it's not happening in certain stretches of the game, it's, 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 clear that this team can play without turning it over. It's just a matter of figuring out what they're doing when they are turning it over, eliminating those mistakes, and then getting everybody on the same page. And again, things are getting better. The Butler game wasn't great, but you go back to the Louisville game, Indiana's turnover percentage was 14.9%, which is really good. They only had 10 turnovers that game against Central Arkansas. It was 16.2%. They only had 12, and a lot of those came early. So we are seeing some improvement. Butler's a really good defensive team too. Yeah. So some of that was, and it was an unfamiliar environment, you know, all that stuff. So it's just different. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a thing to be legitimately concerned about and still is if it starts to rear its head again, but I'm certainly feeling better about it. And I think as this team practices more, it gets guys healthy and they get comfortable together. I think we'll see that issue really improve and get better. Okay. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, no disrespect to Jacksonville or anything, but it's time to look ahead to Big Ten play. We break down IU's Big Ten schedule and take a look at what we've learned about the conference so far. That is coming up next on the assembly call. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcasts, chat mobbers, or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel. You will be privy to all of the between segment banner that might not make it into the radio show or podcast edit, like when Andy read us one of the awkward pen pal letters that he sends to IU recruits. Dear 17 year old kid that I've never <laughs> met before, WTF is wrong with you. Join us live at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. See, Ryan, it's equal opportunity tonight. Andy's getting it too. That's how we. Yeah, it's really evening out, Jared. Great job. <laughs> I, felt, I felt the ad read was really kind of a, a work of art. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you keep some kind of portfolio of these kinds of things, that one, that one's a that one's that, a keeper. That, that Put that one up on your refrigerator. Um, all right, so let's talk about the Big Ten schedule. And you know, there were two things I saw today that I found really interesting, Andy, because I think there's a reason. <laughs> to kind of not like how Indiana's Big Ten schedule shapes up, especially early. But overall, it actually seems like it's pretty favorable. So the reason to not like how the schedule shape up, shapes up is how brutal January is. So Indiana has, uh, you know, as we've talked about, six straight games in January that are Tier A games, okay? All against teams that are currently in the Ken Palm Top 50 at Michigan, at Maryland, home against Nebraska, at Purdue, at Northwestern, home against Michigan. Four out of five on the road, two against Michigan. I looked... That is by far the toughest stretch of six games that any team in the Big Ten will play all season long. There are some others that are comparable, but nothing come, you know, nothing equals that stretch of games for Indiana. So that's going to be really tough. But if Indiana can get through that and you know, kind of be okay and not just get buried, 
overall, the schedule actually seems pretty favorable because there are currently eight teams in the top 26 in Ken Palm in the Big Ten, all right? And there are only two teams outside the top 57. So there's a pretty clear, like, you know, bottom rung here of Illinois and Rutgers. And only two of those top teams get to play Illinois and Rutgers four times. That's Indiana and Ohio State. And only one of those teams gets to miss road trips against three of the other top 26 teams, which is Indiana, because we don't play uh, at Nebraska, at Ohio State, or at Wisconsin. So in that sense, overall, you know, it's a relatively favorable schedule. We just have to get through that January part okay, and then I think things will open up for us in February and March, and hopefully we're playing our best basketball at that time. Yeah, it just feels like kind of a survival type scenario really during that stretch if you can you know just tread water uh, even when you get there because you know even after that january stretch you, you finish january at rutgers and then go to michigan state but then at that point you have nine games left and six of them are at home um so as long as you are not you know as long as they don't get their their spirit broken over the course of that stretch then um then i think they've got a chance to really build some momentum you know, down the stretch. And if they do manage to to play well enough during that January stretch, then you really start to feel good about, you know, they should have a lot of confidence and any, you know, if you look at that stretch of what is it, you know, seven games there, if you count the Illinois game at the beginning of that, you know, if you find a way, I mean, if you somehow find a way to be four and three after that, I feel like you oh, man. feel like you've won the lottery. Um, and even three and four at that point, is not bad. And with the two wins, you've already got your five and four, uh, in the Big Ten at that point. So I, I think you just try to, you know, again, try to finish around 500 during that stretch. Um, and then really it does set up well uh, as you go through it because, you know, playing Michigan twice during that stretch is, is going to be really difficult. So, you know, how many of those, you know, you got four road wins in that stretch. Can you steal one or two of those? We might have lost Andy. Ryan? Yeah. So let me ask you this, Ryan. If I could give you right now four and four in that stretch in January, in those eight games in January, would you take it right now to guarantee oh, yeah. four wins? Yeah, because if you look at the rest of the schedule, it evens out pretty significantly after that. And, and uh, I mean, you do get at Michigan State on February 2nd, but other than that, all of those games after that are winnable for sure. Um, I mean, of course, you don't expect them to go undefeated after that, but there's a lot of winnable games. And as Indiana... It, has done well in December. You banked two conference wins already. So you're getting out of January six and four. You're above water, which is good. The key is you have to win the home games. And 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 I know that um you know there's a there's some tough road games there, but you gotta win. You gotta beat Nebraska at home. You've got to beat Michigan at home. I mean, because you have to win home home games in the Big Ten. That's just the way it is. And then you've got to roll the dice on the road. But if you can beat Illinois and, and start off three and zero in the conference you're really ahead of the game there and, and can sort of take a loss, some take a loss or two somewhere and, and really, you know, uh, still be okay. Again, four and four is tough to swallow if you're sort of looking at it, but at the same time, if you can win your home games and poach one of the two road games or two, you know, one or two of the road games, you feel much better about where you're at, uh, particularly just because winning on the road in this conference is so difficult. So yeah, it's a tough stretch. It's a very tough stretch. And you know, you're not going to go undefeated in the Big Ten. You're going to find some losses, and there are some really good teams in the Big Ten this year. But you just hope that you can go out and 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 succeed and get some wins there. Yeah, you know, then you know, you look at how the schedule ends up. Uh, you know, 
kind of go from about you know February on. You know, you, you're, you've got home against Iowa, home against Ohio State, at Minnesota, home against Purdue, at Iowa, home against Wisconsin, and home against Michigan State. Those are obviously two very good games, and those will be tough even at home. I mean, all these games will be tough, but those games will be especially tough. And then you're at Illinois and home against Rutgers to close it out. So, you know, again, you got to get to that point, you know, with, you know, still, you know, not buried in the conference and you got a chance to finish pretty strong. You know, when you look at the Big Ten right now, Ryan, and you look at what teams have done so far, we feel like we have a pretty good idea about what Michigan is right now. We feel like we have a pretty good idea about what Michigan State is. I mean, they're good teams. You know, but like a team like Maryland that hasn't really played anybody, you know, working in some new pieces, I don't feel like we really know a lot about them. Um, you know, what teams in the Big Ten do you feel like you have a really good handle on and which ones are you still kind of up in the air, don't really know how good they are? I think Michigan and Michigan State are the only ones I've got to, I would say I have a handle on. And that's just because I've seen enough of them. Indiana, I don't think we, I mean, you know, Indiana, we think we have a decent handle on, but. I hope so. We talk about them enough. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, we think we have a decent handle on, but again, they haven't been fully healthy for a while. And you'd like to see some of these other guys, uh, you know, kind of play some more and step up a bit. Um, but it, really, other than that, I don't think we have a great handle on 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 this conference. Uh, you know, Ohio State's going to be well coached, but I don't know if we know a whole lot about their roster or how they're going to fit in. They certainly lost a lot. Um, a, a team like Minnesota, I mean, has been so up and down the last few years. What what do we expect from them? And you know, going to the barn is going to be tough, but because it always is regardless of how good the team is. You don't really know what Iowa is presenting you. I mean, they've they've shown some stuff early that looks pretty good, but. I mean, I just never trust a Brandon McCaffrey coach team as far as I could throw it. So, again, it's just you really – everyone has been talking up Nebraska this year too, and I, I don't know what to expect from them. Northwestern we already saw and just looks like an eminently beatable team home or away. Uh, and Wisconsin, I think, has been up and down, and, and I don't think people know if they can trust them or not. So, it, really, there's a lot of confusion going on. I think there's a lot of decent teams, but I don't know how many super – you know top tier teams there are Michigan has looked really good every time I watch Michigan though there's something about it that feels like it's it's temporary like it's not gonna last and I don't know why it's just a feeling I get I think John Beeline is a phenomenal coach I think they've got a lot of talent but for some reason watching that team I don't have confidence that they're gonna be there at the end of the season for some reason I think they'll be in the top tier of the Big Ten but I don't think they're a national contender for some reason just when I watch them and I don't know why it's just a feeling I get I would like I would push back a little bit on a team like Nebraska. Uh, I mean, you know, they have four, five, you know, top 100 wins. They've dominated teams they should dominate. I feel like they've had a pretty good start to the season. Um, you know, Andy. Yeah, you know, I just haven't. I, I've just heard them talked up as a possible contender in the conference, and I watch them, and I, I don't feel like again. I, I think they're they're a decent team. I, I don't, but I don't feel like oh man. There, we really got to watch out for them. I think they could be good, and they could certainly be a team you have to watch out for, and 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 you know that they could come up and get you. But I don't think it's a team you fear. Yeah. I mean, that's so. the difference between the Big Ten this year and yeah, you know, in a year like last year where there was kind of a clear pecking order. There's just like, there's like a lot of good to very good teams exactly. in the Big Ten this year. Um, Andy, you know, we were talking about you know we feel like we kind of know some things about Michigan and Michigan State. What other teams in the Big Ten do you feel like you have a pretty good grasp on right now about whether they're going to be good or bad? Uh, you know, those are the two probably on the good side. I think Wisconsin maybe is the other one that you, you have a little bit better idea of. I think you've started, you know, they look more like a Wisconsin team does than, than maybe they did last year with some of the injuries they had in the backcourt. Um, and I think they seem to have regained, 
you know, a decent amount of, you know, what they, they had been really leading up to that season. So I think you, you know, there, I don't know that that necessarily means they're going to be, you know, one of the elite teams in the big 10, but uh, you know, Ken Palm certainly likes them to finish 13 and seven. I think their schedule is relatively favorable. Um, so I think, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get there. But a lot of those other middle tier teams, I, I agree, are a little bit hard to peg um, when you look at Ohio State. Nebraska, I do think to a certain extent, you know, they've got four really strong players. And if they get good performances out of those guys, they're good. I, I just think from a depth perspective, if they're going to fall off, that's going to be their, uh, their undoing. Maryland to me is always a little bit hard to get a get a read on Minnesota the same way Iowa you never really know played well and um, you know I even think Rutgers is going to give people some some difficult games I think they're you know, you know playing well enough defensively that if you get you know they they force you into an off shooting night they maybe have something there doesn't mean they're probably not going to finish last in the Big Ten but um, you know I think you they're not even as maybe predictably bad as they've been in the past so I think it's more on the top you feel like. You feel like you know, and in the middle of it, I think you've got a lot of still unknowns, which is really what we thought coming into the season. I just think the the level at which those teams are playing is a little bit higher than you expected it to be, where it, it, it's probably, there was a certain level of maybe mediocrity predicted at the beginning of the season. And I think the teams have proven, based on how they've played in the non-conference against other power leagues, that they're um, you know a step above that. But I still think there's... Uh, some variance with with teams in the middle, uh, really including IU, and and you know you kind of look at that tier if it's you know IU, Ohio State, Nebraska, Purdue, Maryland. Um, I still think there's a lot of variance in what you might see from those teams over the course of the season. Did you have anything else that you wanted to hit on the schedule? I know you got cut off there. We talked about you know how the schedule opens up at the end and kind of went through some of those games and you know how they finished with Illinois and Rutgers. Was there anything else you wanted to hit on that? No, I I think that's uh, I think that's the big thing is just to me, it's surviving, surviving the other part and then getting, you know, getting to the end. But I do think when you look overall at who's got double plays with who and, and things like that, it's, it shook out pretty favorably for you, which I think we believed a bit uh, at the beginning of the season. I think, you know, the flip side is you, you'd almost wish that would it be nice if the schedule was flip flop where you can really get out and get some momentum early in the season. But I think that's ultimately what made winning those first two games in December so important that you've at least got a couple wins under your belt, including a road win. Um, you give yourself a little bit of leeway there with that stretch that everybody believes is going to be tough. And, and kind of like I said before I got cut off, I think if you can finish, you know, three and four, four and three, and that you end up feeling really good about where you are. And uh, and then you move forward from there with the more, uh, more favorable schedule going forward. What do you guys make of a team like Purdue that is seven and five? You know, obviously very much a one man show with Carson Edwards, and they're they're blowing out the teams that they should blow out, but really struggling to beat you know teams that are you know like Notre Dame. They lost to them. They're fifty second. Texas thirty first in Ken Palm, and yet Purdue's still sitting there at sixteenth in Ken Palm. So the computers like them, but that doesn't really seem to kind of match the eye test because of how one dimensional they are. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, it's, I mean, Irvine. they lost. You know, and, and they had a very good team last year. And over the last two years, they've lost a lot. So you're kind of wondering if that's sort of finally impacting them uh, this year. And and it just looks like they're not as poised a team as they were. I mean, Michigan just ran them off the floor. That game, the final score of that game was a lot closer than it w- really was. I was watching that with my dad, and we were just marveling at how good Michigan was. And I think it, fin- it finished, it wound up being about a 20 point, uh, I think 20 or 19 point win, but Michigan could have been a 40 if they wanted to. Uh, and, and you know, it's just interesting that they, you know, lost they lost to Florida State, lost to Virginia Tech, uh, two good teams, uh, but then got hammered by Michigan, lost to Texas, lost to Notre Dame. It, it just feels like 
they've had a tough schedule, but they haven't stepped up and won any of the tough games on their schedule. So I don't know how you can rank them that high. I know it's a computer thing, but it just the eye test, they definitely don't pass right now. I just think they were counting on a lot of guys to be able to step forward and maybe you know, maybe in some ways they're a little bit like IU last year where you kind of talk yourself into, hey, the, all these guys are ready to take a step forward and really step into bigger roles and it just hasn't happened. Um, and, you know, whether that ever happens for some of them, I, I don't really know. But, you know, Nojel Eastern has not, you know, made a leap as a sophomore. Harms hasn't um, really been appreciably better in a bigger role. Um, you know, they got transfer in Boudreaux. I just think athletically he's going to struggle. Uh, in the league, and then Ryan Klein, you know, is a, a good shooter, but I don't know that as a, you know, if he ends up being your, you know, your second leading scorer or something like that. I'm not sure that 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 bodes well for what you are as a team. So I think they've just, you know, Edwards has been probably as good, if not better, even than what they expected. But I think it's having so many, you know, so many guys not be able to make that step forward. It's one thing if you know you got four guys and you're hoping you know, they all take a leap and, and maybe only two of them do, but I think it's kind of been none of them uh, so far. And I think they're going to really have an uphill battle in the big 10 because at some point I think teams are just it is, shut everybody else and, um, you know, force them to do that, which has really been, I mean, Texas did that. That was effective for them. So. And Andy having some technical issues tonight. Um, Ryan, last question to you before we, before we close this up, it, what, what would you set the number at that will win the big 10? Like if a team if a team gets to sixteen, I think we all feel pretty comfortable they'll win it. Do you think fifteen will win it? Yeah, fifteen probably. I, that would be my guess. But I think sixteen is probably. I mean, it's such a deep. Um, yeah, it's such a deep conference that I I just think guys are, teams are going to lose games. But sixteen or fifteen is probably where I'd put it. Over under probably at uh, at fifteen, fifteen yeah. and a half or something like that. If you're going to bet on it, yeah. All righty. Well, coming up here on the assembly call with Christmas just around the corner, we are going to go around the horn playing Santa Claus and handing out Christmas gifts to Archie and the team. Will this segment be a Yuletide treat or a lump of coal? Find out next here on the assembly call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morse. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Remember that if you are a serious IU Hoops fan, then you need to be subscribed to our free IU Basketball email newsletter. You will get our weekly news roundups as well as our in-depth post-game analysis emails the morning after every game. There's a high-level operation going on out there. And joining is easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Make no excuses. Can we get some basketball, please? All right, back to talking basketball. So, gentlemen, we got this question from Bill. He said, what is your Christmas wish list for Archie and his players or the team as a whole, such as for Coach Miller, a completely healthy squad, and a Keon Brooks commitment, race Jerome and Rob medical clearances, Romeo a greatly improved three-point percentage, and some open driving lanes, etc." I would say if Archie well, that, could open that about, up. <laughs> that about covers them. So. On, to the next, on to the next segment. On to the next question. Um, <laughs> that, that, that does... That does cover a lot of them. I think Archie would be quite happy if he uh, went. Yeah, you were worried, Ryan, and I didn't prepare anything for this, but it turns out that everything was right there in front of you. So Bill is giving us the answers. All right, next question, guys. So here's what I would say for this. Um, I I would uh, wrap up and give to Archie, if I could, a marquee non-conference game for next year. 
because the Louisville game comes off the schedule. So, you know, we don't have that next season. Um, we're not sure if we're going to have a, you know, be in the Gavit games yet. We know that we'll be playing Arkansas at home. We'll have Notre Dame in the Crossroads Classic. We'll have a Big Ten ACC game. But there's that spot there, you know, whether that's Kentucky, whether that would be Arizona, you know, those are names that have been bandied about. I don't know who it would be, but that would be my gift to Archie to kind of help anchor next season's non-conference schedule would be a high profile, you know, big ticket, whether it's on campus or at a neutral site, some kind of big non-conference opponent to replace uh, Louisville coming off the schedule. So that's what I would give to Archie. Okay. What about for this year, Jared? What about for this year? Let's focus I'd like on to th- I'd like to think ahead. All right. Well, what about this year? What about right now? What about this week? Well, this week I would give him a Jacksonville game where everybody just gets out of it healthy. Well, Christmas is you know next week. I'm sorry. Well, what about for this next seven days? Hey, why are you turning this around on me? I gave mine. It was very thoughtful. It was well your explained. Seg- What's yours? <laughs> your segment idea. Let's. Uh, it's on you to make it. This is just like Ryan's rankings of when games should actually take place. You yeah. have to provide an answer that can only be valid in a certain window. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why you can't figure this out. It's, it's you need to listen simple. to my voice. Uh, <laughs> that's a fine answer. I agree. I think they need to add somebody to the schedule next year. I think another game, uh, I wouldn't be upset if they tried to re up the Louisville series, uh, Kentucky. I don't really care about anymore. I mean, I eat. You, you well, no, I don't care about because of Calipari and the way oh. he ended the series. Uh, if he was not the coach, I'd be like immediately let's, yeah, let's re up the Kentucky series. But I've just been so soured on playing that man because of his statements about it and all that stuff. And you know, it's not going to be home and home or anything like that. He's never going to agree to that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, and I don't think I don't want to do Kentucky in a dome somewhere. I want, if, if they're going to play them, we should play at home and home or, uh, do the, do the scenario where it's home, home, and then want it, you know, banker's life or something like that. I think that's fair, but, you know, I don't want to go play Kentucky in a dome. I, I really don't. And, and so, or like Madison Square Garden or something like that. I don't, I have no interest in that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, someone else. Let's let's rotate somebody else in until California comes to his senses. I mean, I, I I generally agree that you need to have as many big games on campus as possible because that's what makes college basketball great. I think the ideal for something like that, like you said, would be home and home and neutral. I think that would be totally fine. And that's it's a completely good. reasonable suggestion that he yes. has completely turned down and not e- won't even consider. So, yeah, I, I'm not kind of uh, I'm kind of over. Uh, well, the two of them are supposed to have a good relationship, so you know. they are. The families have a great relationship, so uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Hasn't been any movement on it though. I I do Arizona home and home. Yeah. All right. So uh, what are you what are you wrapping for Archie under the tree? Uh, everybody getting healthy, like Bill said. I think that was the he took my idea. We shouldn't have read Bill, the whole question. Bill was Santa Claus. Yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have. Uh, you shouldn't have read the whole question. Well, I just wanted to give. I just want to give Bill credit for coming well, up with those ideas. I, no, I think it's just getting everybody healthy. I think yeah. that's what it is. I, I think that's been the biggest problem this year: getting everybody healthy. Not only from a, a game standpoint, from a practice standpoint, it makes guys better when they're playing against, you know, better players and and more players, and they're you're able to rotate guys in. They don't get tired as much during practice because you have more bodies and. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that's, well, that's what I would give Archie is just a clean bill of health for these guys. Get Race Thompson healthy, have Rob Finnessy's concussion not be a big deal, uh, you know, all this stuff. And and I think, you know, I think Jerome Hunter, I think we're, we're all kind of aiming for next season for him. But still, got to make sure he gets healthy. 
uh, and, and has a good recovery from that. And, you know, a guy like Deron Davis getting more into game shape as the season goes along. Andy, what would be your Christmas gift for Archie? Uh, you know, I would have said the health too, because I think, you know, for Archie to be able to see like, what can this team actually be? And I, you know, as a fan want that as well. It's like, you know, we, we look at this and they played really well um, and it doesn't take away. It actually, to me, kind of adds to the fact that they've, you know, have such a good record deal given all they've, they've dealt with. But it's like, at some point you want to try to get a handle on like, what is the actual ceiling of this team at full strength? And right now, I don't think we have any idea what that is. But uh, if I picked another one, I guess I would say uh, I mean, free throw shooting improvement would be uh, would be good. I mean, I use really been, you know, they've, they've come out on the, the positive end of most of the close games, you know, the, the Arkansas game, the exception. Um, but I think, you know, if you, you know, this team ticks up to a, you know, 75% free throw shooting team, uh, you know, it, it might save everybody's nerves and um, might impact, you know, alcohol and liquor sales from the fan base, but uh, in, a, in a negative way. But, um, you know, I think that might give a little more breathing room in some of these close games. And I think it really makes the offense a little bit more efficient. Um, I think you've seen some good things there, but I think there's uh, certainly improvement that can be made. And, and I think the defense is going to you know continue to be pretty strong. So anything that improves the offense a little bit more, I think, uh, increases the team's chances of really, you know, finishing toward the top of the Big Ten. So maybe the gift is a, is a is a free throw coach. Fred, call uh, me. I mean that uh, could. I mean, like, gift is a weird term to use for <laughs> for what that could potentially I'm be. I'm a gift to you, you can, every time we're on this show together, Andy. Come on, now. and that's exactly why that's a weird term to use to, for what you're saying. Uh, yes. I mean, look. I, I think obviously the health, you know, fixing kind of the glaring issues. I would say, you know, the other thing that 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 I would give to Archie would just be a consistent third score. And I know there's kind of been this discussion, like, you know, do you have to have a consistent third score, you know, blah, blah, or can it be a different guy every game? Well, of course it could be a different guy every game. And if you have a different guy step up and can, you know, give you 10 to 13 points every single game, that's fine. It's just going to be a lot more comforting for the coach if there's one guy that he can count on to do it and so I think from Archie's perspective you know whether that's Devontae Green coming off the bench and being a double-digit score you know whether that's Justin Smith consistently being a guy who's able to get you those 10-12 points because he's focusing on transition and offensive putbacks I would think some consistency there behind Romeo and Jawan that you can count on from a coach's perspective that would be nice to have so I would give that to Archie as well. I, I think that the Keon Brooks commitment would also be a nice gift for Archie. Just oh, yeah. Make that a, st- a very large stocking stuffer uh, is for you go. But I, I think that that would be nice. Actually, I think that's more of a gift to IU fans than, than Archie. Because I think Archie's going to make it work regardless of who's here. Uh, and he's already got a nice recruiting class. If, if it was just these two guys, you'd be happy with it because of the guys you'll have returning next year and the class that he just brought in has a lot of depth to it. So... If Keon wasn't in the class, obviously, you know, it's a bummer, but I think that Archie would still be very happy with the group he's bringing in. So I think that's more for IU fans and and the excitement of being able to land another five-star from the state of Indiana, especially because over the next two years, it doesn't look like there's a ton of uh, of top, top, top tier IU uh, in Indiana State talent. So I think that... If, Not in the 2020 class, but once you get past that, there's some pretty right, good players. Right, right. Yeah, I guess yeah. I'm, I guess 2019 is this year. So yeah, over the next year, uh, I think that there's, you know, it'll be great if you can get an extra big time name in there, um, particularly to mix in with the, a bunch of the solid guys we have from last year too. So you kind of have a more balanced roster. 
I would also get Archie a tri-blend sweatshirt from Hoosier Proud and a mattress from Comfort Option. I think those would be excellent. Like, if you want really to get him some smooth, items. Smooth plug there, Morris. I was waiting on... I mean, you already I'd went also to have the, him drink one of these Land on podcasts on the brink, so... <laughs> um, anything else? Any other gifts? And if he got a headache, I'd give him a thing of Advil. Like, I mean, <laughs> come on, Chris. Maybe I, some tickets via seat uh, using the promo code. There we are. No, maybe maybe he could get more games. Maybe he could get the Big Ten tournament moved to uh, Bankers Life Fieldhouse so that Juwan Morgan could dominate there. Maybe you just know, move Assembly like... Hall to Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Well, so you're, know... you're you're all for getting rid of Assembly Hall too? That's we're back there on we... that now. I knew that was coming. That's <laughs> hey, why said... I made that's no. why I made it clear that only it, while Juwan Morgan's here tournament. and only if we play at Bankers Life. Yeah. So I'm saying Big Ten tournament that maybe IU could actually experience success if the tournament were at Bankers Life Fieldhouse while Juwan Morgan was still at IU, given his track record there. No, we're stretching now. We're, I mean, that is, we're that not is actually Santa Claus, so we can't we can't gift him any success in the Big Ten tournament. Well, that's, we'll, we'll yeah. just have to believe that when we see it. Perhaps. Uh, any final thoughts, gentlemen? What do you think? A Yuletide treat or a lump of coal of this segment? <laughs> uh, whoever it is, somebody should send send Bill some. Kings for charcoal or something. Very uh, I felt no. like we had an amazing conversation on all levels. Thank you, Coach Thank Ryan. You. Trying to pick up that uh, that uh, elusive Kingsford charcoal sponsorship. They sponsor. So, uh, they sponsor. Well done there. They spo- sponsor a Periscope show on the big lead. So thank you, Kingsford. <laughs> <laughs> they actually they actually do it's not a joke that's awesome well, look at us we've we fit all of our sponsors into the segment so well done well done by us okay uh coming up here in our final segment we answer your questions including what area or areas the team can tangibly try to improve on over the next few weeks with just one game and then a long break that is next we'll discuss it stick with us listening to the assembly call and we are wrapping up another week of talking about iu basketball i'm jared morse i'm here with andy bottoms and ryan phillips and we always reserve our fourth segment to answer your questions and we had a few really interesting ones submitted and so let's get right to them uh jd ryan asked realistically what is an area the players and coaches could aim to tangibly improve over the next few weeks with only one game but also try to balance time off and non-opponent focused practice. Now, I believe during this time, the NCAA mandates, they ha- the players have to have three consecutive days off. So guys will get to go home. They'll be away. They obviously won't be in town practicing this whole time. So you got the game against Jacksonville. You know, Then you know they'll have some time off. They get back. Illinois game coming after that. What can get better over this time? Uh, I think health is number one. I mean, we talked about that in the last segment. I think just you know, allowing their bodies to heal a little bit, maybe getting some guys to get that second wind. I also think, you know, they need to work on the free throw shooting they have, you know, and that's something you can do by yourself. You don't have to be with the team. You can just go into the facility and work on it and, and work on, you know, smoothness. I, I also think the the last thing that I would say is just watch a lot of film and and sort of digest what's gone right, what's gone wrong. And guys can do that on their own on iPads, you know, and and I'm sure the teams have little things to download them right onto their iPad, watch all the games, watch what's what's gone well, what's gone poorly. And, you know, it's stuff like that that really helps the mental aspect of the game, just watching it. Even if you're not necessarily breaking down every play, watching as much basketball as you can really helps you understand, uh, you know, 
what works and what doesn't and, and what you need to be looking for on the floor. I'd also say watching other teams play really helps as well, just to kind of understand what other teams and other guys do well, what they don't. And, and, uh, even if you're not, they're not a future opponent, you know, watching a game like tonight when Duke was playing Texas tech or, or something like that, those are, you know, really, uh, can help you as a player develop your, your mental ability on the court. Yeah. Um, okay, Andy, uh, our friend Ben from Hoosiers United sent this question in, and hat tip to Ben because he predicted a triple double for Romeo uh, for the Central Arkansas game. And Romeo, you know, close. He was only five assists away, but that was, uh, was still a pretty good prediction. Uh, ben says he'd like for us to talk about uh, Devonte Green and his importance on making the most capitalizing on Rob Finnessy's minutes since he will be out for an undetermined amount of time. Uh, kind of, a, you know, it's, it's a big opportunity for Devonte. He never wanted to come because of an injury, but Rob stepped up when Devonte was out. Now it looks like Devontae, at least for one game against Jacksonville, will have that opportunity with Rob out. I think for Devontae, it's it's really just kind of getting back into the flow of things. I think the injury early really limited, you know, certainly opened the door a bit more than many expected for Finnessy to, to kind of take charge of the point guard role. But I think it's also limited his ability to really get back in the groove um, offensively. So I think you saw him get some extended minutes in the, in the uh, Central Arkansas game. He played... Uh, played well, was able to you know play without turning the ball over. So I think just getting more time on the floor with the guys, it's it's almost similar to the answer I would have probably given to the last question. Just in terms of try to develop some cohesiveness as guys get healthier and you're able to really you know kind of know where each other is is going to be on the floor and and trust one another more. So I do think it's a big opportunity and one you know I think to potentially carve out or make an argument that you know maybe he should be in that third starting spot or really try to figure out what you know what role might be best for him on the team could you play you know he and rob together at times could you um or is he really better suited to be you know a, a scorer coming off the bench and things like that so i think it's you know we want to see the role start to sell out on the team the rotation i think is starting to do that a little bit as guys have gotten healthier but i think it's really trying to figure out you know where where is he how do you pinpoint what the best role for his on the team Ryan, if Devontae keeps playing like he has the last few games, where do you think his role settles in? Do you think he ends up becoming a starter and playing alongside Robin Romeo in the backcourt, or do you think he'll it'll be best for him to come off the bench? No, I think that that he could take Al's spot as a starter, and that might suit Al Durham better as being able to just kind of be an energy defense and occasionally a, a you know a shot making guy uh, from the perimeter, but. I think that he, that might be his best role is is as a starter because he came in quickly for Al in the last game and they all seemed to work really well together when they were in the game together and then obviously Rob went out but the three of those guys worked pretty well together uh, they can all score it they can all drive they can all pull up and and hit from the outside I mean it's it's an interesting dynamic because they're all kind of interchangeable uh, on certain areas on certain spots of the floor and they all also have worked really hard at getting Juwan Morgan touches on the post. So I think that, and I will say that Devonte has looked really good trying to get Juwan touches, which I don't think we saw last year, or the year before he's really force feeding it down there to Juwan, which they need to do. And I think he also understands that if he sends it down to Juwan, someone's going to double. And that means somebody on the perimeter is going to be open. That could be him or it could be, uh, you know, one of the other guys. So um, I think all three of them played well together on the perimeter. And I could see him certainly moving into the starting lineup as sort of playing off the ball a little bit. Andy, with our last minute, Brian wants to know, up to this point in the season, what matchups have you noticed are more difficult for the team as a whole and which ones are more favorable to them? Uh, unfavorable matchups would be Duke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Everything that yeah, Duke there, does. There you go. Yeah. Um, what, else, like, what, what, what kind of matchups do you think are particularly troublesome for this team? 
I mean, it's easy to focus on the losses here, but I think the one thing that Duke and Arkansas probably haven't counted, they're, they're the two, and uh, maybe Louisville would fit into this. They're two of the three, at least most, most athletic teams that they've played and that really want to get out and pressure you uh, and, and sped you up into some turnovers and into things there. And I think the other um, is guys who can really pick and pop and, and really pull, you know, take advantage of some values, you know, issues in, in pick and roll coverages and, and defense that can really spread the floor. Yep. Okay, well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us. In the chat, Mob. At assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. Join us Saturday after the IU Jacksonville game for our last broadcast until after Christmas. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.